Morning, Dan. Morning, Rob. How are you? I'm awesome. What time is it where you are? Uh, it's about three forty-five in the morning, so it's you know, might <laughs> be a hushed voice. Yeah, no, right. So now this this daylight savings thing really crushes me because I think you know I wake up with the sun, so if the sun comes up at six o'clock, then I'm up. But you know, when I go into daylight savings, I'm waking up at six. I'm waking up at six, and all of a sudden the sun comes up at seven, and you're like, my alarm goes off at six, and I'm like hating the world. So little little window into my soul there, my friend. I know. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> I know. And I know like I get texts from you. I'm up at five o'clock every morning. I'm like, whatever, dude, whatever. It's okay. So, it's okay. Was that from a, was that from the, you, from the, you, is that you from do, the Marine days or you, is it you do you? No, I'm serious. Like from, no. was that from the Marine days or is that from like or, or when you were a kid, you, you were just a morning? No, no. And a kid, I was, uh, I was normal. Slept in late. The um, I I read something where it's like it's really not good for your. So I got a whoop thing a little while ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's not productive for your sleep pattern to move it around. And since Mm -hmm. I get up early during the week to lift and walk and do those kinds of things, I don't do it in the in the um, weekends. And so I just leave the alarm set much to my wife's chagrin. Your, I was going to, your wife must really love that. Yeah. Not so much. Um, well, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's, this is one of those interstitial kind of in between ones where we don't have a guest and it's our solution, solutioneering kind of podcast. Yeah. And so last night, last night you, you slacked me. You're like, let's, let's not solve food. Let's do something big. And that was, I didn't know where you were coming from with that. Well, let me break that down for you so you can understand. Um, no, the whole idea was instead of, you know, we can talk about solving problems that we were talking about with Danny Nirenberg from Food Tank and so like food problems. But I think the theme that keeps on coming up with both kind of the big political media problems with Michael Slaby and then the big honking sustainability slash food slash social justice worker problems that we were talking with Danny Nirenberg it was just how do you solve big problems? We're trained as kind of, you know, even from, from a science standpoint, and you can talk from maybe from an engineering standpoint, is to have a problem and then break it down, be very parsimonious, right? And you like figure out, okay, what's this small problem that I can solve and then solve the problem there. And then, but that the challenge there is it kind of removes the problem from the system, right? And so it's like, how do you make sure that you are kind of, you reduce the problem into something that's actually manageable and like hackable as I think was the quote from our last conversation, but not divorce it from or remove it from the system in which it lives, right? So you maintain the systems thinking while also being able to then solve the problem. I think that when you say remove it from the system, I don't think that's necessarily bad unless removing that hackable problem, that hackable chunk disturbs the system. Like when, when we have emotions and, and humans, human emotion involved, and you remove something, their behavior is going to change. And now you're now you are solving a chunk of a problem that doesn't exist anymore because by virtue of separating it, the problem moving. You know what I mean? And I think that's the problem with with um, non sort of discrete systems like anything that has a human in it is you've got emotion and like customer consumer confidence. Our economy is based on. Fear, 
at some point, right? The let. It, oh, you're you're a happy person. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Glass out. It's based on fear, and the, and the less fear you have, the more you spend. So, you you could make someone fearful with a single newspaper article, or and you can make them delight delighted with a single newspaper article. So it makes it hard to solve problems like the one Slaby was talking about, which can turn on a dime. My intuition is it would be quote unquote easier to solve the food problem because that's more of a system. Like you could, you could pull out production, you could pull out distribution, you could pull out storage, you could pull out incentives, you know what I mean? And, and, and solve for those in a hackable way. And I think, and I don't want to speak for Danny Nuremberg, so, but to go back to one of the things we did talk about was in a way trying to solve you know, the, a lot of the solutions that have been proposed in the food system have been very kind of parsimonious in the sense of like in, in, in isolated. So it's like, oh, we need to uh, either increase, increase yield productions. So let's take this one thing called fertilizer or let's take, um, you know, um, you know, bioengineered seeds and then um, put that into the system. Right. And it's been that thinking then that has just set off positive feedback loops that which are not delivering positive results. Right. What's what's an example of one of those? So in a lot of the cases, so you if you go to, you know, India or Africa and in a lot of these situations, you'll have these, um, you know, they'll have these genetically modified seeds or some seeds modified in some way. And they'll say, okay, stop doing, um, stop growing all the things that you're growing, grow this one thing, right? And then they grow this one thing and then they realize, and then they realize, oh, now that's actually going to require kind of more fertilizer, more kind of industrial inputs because the soil starts to degrade, right? So they want after oh, so, yields. Sure. Then, then right? shame on the short-term scientific thinking. The, you're right, but but I don't think that I think you can. When I'm talking about decouple, I'm not suggesting let's focus on the yield of an acre. I'm suggesting let's let's decouple global food problem into productivity. And you're right. If you don't rotate, if you don't do you know interleaved crops, all the things that keep soil healthy, then you're gonna eventually. It's a tragedy of the commons in some sort of strange way. You have to chunk out things that are relevant. And if you chunk out seeds and it requires quadruple the water, then you did a bad job. And so and you need to chunk out things, but also make sure that when you're solving them, you're also aware of the connections that they have to everything else. Yes. So when you're like, great, here's a solution related to seeds. And then in it, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, now what are the impacts that that have? Oh, it's going to require more water then you're like, okay, well, then it might be the ideal kind of seed production solution given these constraints. But when you add water in, now we have to degrade the quality of that solution because we've now just caused a water problem. Right. Um, what, so is, what's, your, what's your take on how to solve the food problem? More fundamentally, while, while we have a, while we have a, clear and present problem 
we, I think the root of it is population growth because we don't have the, the, the earth is on earth's population is growing at an unsustainable rate. The carrying capacity, we're, we're probably really past the sustainable carrying capacity of the earth. And the reason we, we keep doing this is because uh, sort of microeconomics, right? The people have larger families because they're, they have economic insecurity. And I think that's sort of the, one of the problems is how do we address that in a, so, in a reasonable way? I mean, I think the, yeah, wh- whether or not we're at that point or not, you know, there's definitely the threat that we get there, but I think there's, again, it's a math problem. It's population times consumption per capita, Right. So well, I think, yeah, but you, I think, I think key in there is the sustainable consumption. Exactly. Right. So it's like, so you basically, when you look at, if we were all, um, if, you know, when you eat meat, like eating meat, just it radically increases, you know, your consumption and the yeah. amount of land and resources it takes by which to, you know, eating, eating an almond is like drinking four gallons of water. Exactly. In the United States, we're like, oh, like, wow, it's like China and India are starting to kind of industrialize and modernize and their diets are becoming, you know, they're eating more meat. You're like, well, they're actually just doing in a way what we've said everybody in the world needs to do. Right. And it's it's going to carry us past the point. We've said it. We've quote unquote said it by setting this perverted example. Exactly. Not by saying you know, meat's good for you. I, I don't think there's any sort of clinical diet thing that says. No, you know, no, agreed. It's the like, you know, make the world safe for democracy and kind of all those other kind of yeah. political statements that we've made, you know, you know, around capitalism and, and everything else. Right. Because again, you know, we, this kind of goes, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about on this one or, or another podcast is regulation and like when are, because like it came up with Danny in food where it's like, man, the market has been really failing at being able to provide the right incentives to get to a sustainable food system. It has, but, but again, I think this is, this is um, still a, I think it's part of, it's part of politics, you know, right now, department of forestry runs public grasslands and farmers in the Midwest can graze their stock on these lands. For every dollar in fees they pay to for that access, it costs the government seven. Similarly, for every uh, you know Big Mac we buy at McDonald's, there's something like fifty cents of federal programs consumed by the workers at McDonald's. So we, we're, we, I, I do believe in economic systems. I don't believe in economic systems that are propped up with politics. Sure. Okay. So I like, to, I, so I'm glad you said politics because 
as many of those as we can get where it's like, doesn't make any sense. There's also then, well, it's also, hold on. Let me make, let me finish this point. There's also then the lobbying on the other side, right? So there's basically because, because there's politics and because there is regulation, there are people that are the beneficiaries of these policies on the economic side, you know, which are the, you know, which are the businesses and corporations and others. They're like, listen, we want these and they're the ones that have the power, right? They're the ones that typically like they have the money, right? So therefore they can buy their access in the way that our, our system set up, which is, you know, again, speaks to campaign finance reform, which is probably another topic for this, the regulations cut both ways. And I think, you know, lefties and, you know, progressives kind of get hammered for like, oh, you guys want government regulations. And I'm like, for me, it's kind of like unions. Like I support unions. My mom was a public high school teacher for her entire career. She was part, you know, she was a lawyer, lawyer for the union. She did amazing things for the teachers through, through the union. But I have, I have pretty heated debates, if not arguments with her around, yeah, but if you're going to have a union, you got the unions got to make sure that they clean their house. Like you got to make sure that, you, you know, you're, you're doing the things that not are not just for, and kind of like everything is just for the teachers, like the teachers union, the NEA needs to make sure that their police, no policing is a, maybe a bad word, but like they need to keep their house in order. No, absolutely. They need to discipline you, you, within their house. You, you, you do that. About, you have a great union. You hear about, you know, a police unions that, uh, in whose districts no police officer has been disciplined in 15 years. Right. Or okay, teachers unions where they have the bad teachers are sitting in a room somewhere. Again, I like need right. to fact checks that and all that. Right. Because they can, no, they, yeah, they, I mean, it is, it's, it may be lore, but somewhere in California, someone was on at home working, quote unquote, working for five years while the case was dispositioned. Right. And you know, I, th- I think the, the issue fundamentally you were talking about a second ago is if you rob Peter to pay Paul, you'll always have Paul's loyalty. And I think that's when we, when we begin to take um, money out of one thing and use it in a different place, that's when you, that's when you start the instability of the economic system. But isn't that called investing? I mean, do that, I do that. I, you know, like, you know, that I it think, is, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on. Yep. It's investing if you're doing it for the long term. Here's the problem. Um, we don't do that for the long term. We do, it's never, it's, it's done. No one keeps an eye on it for the long term. Exactly. Who loses their job? Who loses their capital? So I don't think the note, I think the notion of investing is an easy way to excuse big spending because everyone's like, oh, it's invest in X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. But I want to know who's going to lose their wealth, be worried about losing their house, which is what happens when you and I invest. You and I invest with a, with some anticipation of upside and some dread of downside. And with public money, it doesn't exist. And I think that word is is off or misused. Yeah. That, okay. Point taken. And I think you did spark another thought though, in you know, the long term. Right. I think now both the political system and our capitalist economic system are set up for the short term. Right. We have midterm elections every two every, years. Every, everything and is we set have, up for the short term. Yeah. Our we have quarterly budget. Uh, absolutely. Quarterly earnings in, in those things. And so um, 
Yeah, no, I, but I, in a, so this is a interesting, this turned out to be a much more interesting kind of topic than I, than I imagined that, you know, hoping you're, you're capable of, but, um, is it, cause it goes back to, I love you, Rob Page. You know, I love you, man. I know, I know, um, I know. Is it goes back then to, um, it goes back to race. Like, as we were kind of like talking about, um, kind of, you know, white privilege or privilege and those, those concepts, which I know are like, all pervasive in our conversations these days. I know it kind of irks a, a whole ton of, you know, but you're going to have to white connect dudes like myself. You're going to connect, you're going to connect this because it, you, you took right. right because yes, but when you, cause when we invest, right. And hopefully you're aware investing for the long term. The reason why we're investing for the long term is because we have to level some social wrongs that have happened. I'm not, in the past. so don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not su- suggesting that investing is, bad in any way. It's the no, only you went way. You would, yeah. Uh, yeah. The problem is um, I don't trust uh, any elected official because they may be gone through, through sort of no fault of their own, through the whims of the voting cohort. I don't trust that the government can have a long-term perspective. And so, and, and when the government invests, it's usually with T's at the end or, or large numbers of B's at the end. And, um, you know, I'm disgusted disgusted at the at the accumulation of debt for our children um that's another interesting topic and i um and so what so but it's funny though we like we're kind of in this pickle we're in a pickle we're, we're in a real pickle and you know the, the market the market's not doing it right no the mar- right? the market the market will correct eventually but we will we will be like greece for 10 years. So, but like, so let's look at, but let's look at like, I mean, I, like, I'm going to like, it's funny. I've, you know, you know, sound a lot. I don't know. I've never said this before, but, um, but this thought makes me think. So I'm like, well, you say the market, the market is going to correct. Right. The problem with the market though, is the market used to correct like every 50 years. Right. Now we're correcting every decade. Right. And isn't that a signal? Like, isn't, isn't that a signal that something is wrong or is that a signal? What is that a signal of? Right. No, I think it's a signal of um, the speed of communication. Like we're, we're able to assess the global economy on, you know, a monthly or quarterly basis. Most even developing nations come out and say, here's our GDP. Here's our consumer confidence. You punch that into an algo and it's going to say, is the global economy green, yellow, or red? Is Greece's economy green, yellow, or red? Most debt is international and foreign. Okay, so I know what your GDP is. And I know what your foreign debt load is. You're in the red. You're going to crash. That's yeah, a, that's a correction. Sure, but the corrections aren't debt related. Well, I mean, I think debt it's all, is the, it's all debt. Related. Yeah, but the debt is the sim, the symptom of the disease. The the disease is the fact that corrections happen because people are cheating, right? So savings go back to the 80s. Save, savings and loans, che- like they, they, they the were cheating. The, you go the, back, you go back. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Two thousand eight. You have credit default swaps. Like people are che- like cheating, right? One hundred percent. In this case, the governments are cheating. The governments are saying that we can continue to borrow and and make these investments. No one's going to watch them long term. And every time we do that, we put you know five hundred billion dollars on the debt. At some point, it's just math that we that we're going to spend a majority of our GDP servicing debt. So we, so we work at a company that's 
growing fast, right? Are we in debt? Yes. Right. Are we, are we more in debt today than we were like? Yeah. This comes back to the, the, the horizon though, the ROI horizon for this company and it's, it's, it's governance, it's shareholders and board is foreseeable. And, and somebody has made a decision, a risk reward decision to make those investments. Tell me who makes the risk reward decision uh, when governments spend money. It's only a reward decision. There is no risk. What happens to Ted Cruz? What happens to McConnell when a, a trillion dollar investment doesn't pay off? Am I opposed to this current stimulus? No. But yeah, I, so I get that. Lord. I mean, I think I would argue too, though, now, like whether it's where we work or where other companies work in this phase, like if, you know, if one of the, if, if, a, if a growth startup goes belly, you know, belly up after they reach like a billion or $2 billion, the, you know, a good chunk of those people are, are still going to be very wealthy. Right. Um, and so I like, there's, you know, uh, I think I mean, what you're you, saying, you're getting you, yeah. a moral hazard. You're getting to a moral hazard issue, right? Oh, it, absolutely. This is this is a this is a terrible moral hazard because you're when you're spending other people's money, you put yourself in a in a special position of wild trust and wild responsibility, and yet no one exercises the responsibilities of that. So I keep I question. Well, you know, I the market's great for some things, right? I don't think the market is great for other things. I don't think the market's all pervasive or at least monetary markets. So for example, um, my, you know, there's my family, right? I don't go to my three sons and be like, you know, I don't change their names because I don't, you know, I'm like, okay, Bob, you know, you're a good kid. You're a real good kid. But, you know, I kind of, I kind of enjoy hanging out with Steve a little bit more. Like, I love you both the same, but like Steve and I, like we both like baseball, right? You're kind of more into like esoteric, like synth music. So if you want me to hang out with you today is your dad, like you got to give me 50 bucks because I get 50 bucks out of Bob because I play baseball just by playing baseball because I love baseball. So you need to pay me 50 bucks, right? Um, to hang out with you today. Like, right. That's absurd. Right. Or are you agreeing with that? You think I should do that? Well, it's a revenue source. I I, I would have to like think of the P and L, but for setting that aside for just a minute, the, yeah, that's ridiculous. So, so, and I think this is where the destruction of like almost our community. No, but that, you, you, you've said it, it was, it was good and terrible. You set up an emotional hook but there, there's, there really, you're not really trading anybody. No one's at risk. No one's got economic risk there. Well, you're, sure, but that's, it, that's, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, you're trying to bring, that's, you're trying to bring economics. But I, so maybe, so are we? Do we actually bring economics into things that actually shouldn't be economical, even at the like at the macro level? So like, but here's people an example. Have said, people have said that the one of the reasons that. Um, Africa has food insecurity is that the property laws are um, non-existent and without property, you can't create equity. And I don't mean equity as in interpersonal equity. I mean like financial equity Mm -hmm. and without financial equity, you can't 
you don't have the basis to take risk like a mortgage to improve yourself. So if I can't, if there's no way for me to securely own my land, I can't like work my ass off for a while, get $10,000 in equity, go to the bank, mortgage my property for $10,000 and invest it in my property and so on and so forth. Sure. So that's a system. That's an right. economic system. Yeah, it is. And that's one, that's one narrative, right? Like I can, you know, I, I no, but I'm going to send, if, I'm going to send, send your son an article today that says the, it basically says the tragedy of the commons is a big myth. It's a big myth, right? And cause it gets to, and this gets to like where I was going with like the destruction of actually community in the sense of like close social ties. There's a phenomenal book, Robert Putnam, Bowling Alone, it, you know, if you ever read it. Um, it's basically talks about how, you know, in the United States, we have been on this trajectory of just less and less connection and interaction with our neighbors, our community, yeah, so you're and the financial impacts that that have, because it puts financial burden on people that they would not normally have had if community existed. Okay. Well, let's pick this up because you're fundamentally wrong which is sort of status quo. And it's 7.30 and you got to take your kids to school. I do. And I cannot wait for this next conversation. So let's set this up for the next one. Perfect. Talk to you later. See you, buddy. Bye. And now for a little extra. We're not doing high fidelity audio podcast for like audio. No, no. See, this is where your standards begin to deteriorate. Well, I know. I, I, I think, I think the marginal difference between the zoom for one, like for a 20 minute podcast is, is, is not noticeable or impactful to our 20 listeners. See, this is why you're with this podcast will never be Apple. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it will. Because we're not going to let perfect be the enemy of the good. If Joni Ive was here, he would be kicking your ass about audio quality. I don't, yeah, I don't even know who that is. If, <laughs> if Sergeant okay, Slaughter okay. is here. No, you're right. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Dude, this should be recorded. It is recorded. It is recorded. I pressed the button on the lo-fi AM radio quality thing you wanted. Okay. <laughs>